Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuis and Colin McLaughlin. Good Monday afternoon and welcome in to this July 11th, 7-11 edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10, brought to you in part by the Brown Funeral Home and Cremations. Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has probably served our area since 1880. Spencer Dupuy, Colin McLaughlin. I'm still not used to that. You were about to say Nick. I could hear it. I I heard the end. I was like, then. Hey, it's weird because it's just, you know, it's the Spencer, Nick, and then Colin kind of thing. And then taking Colin out or taking Nick out there and replacing him with Colin, moving one up. Yeah. Always a little bit weird. getting that routine. Colin McLaughlin. And the voice you've been hearing seconds for the last few seconds, Avery Newport. Happy to have you with us. We've got a lot to get into on this edition of the Sports Mix. 12-15, we'll be joined by Bo... can't speak excuse me berkeley post 14 hornets manager trip tobin they had a very good weekend very good two games yesterday twin bill down at hampshire high school they faced potomac valley post 64 and kingwood post 56 a sweep there and uh, some pretty great uh, games combined when you put everything together in those games and i believe this is their last week of regular season play and they've added a game tomorrow Uh, but we'll talk to him about all of that and then uh, 12.30 will be – around 12.30 uh, will be joined by our buddy, our coworker Dylan Bishop, who also uh, runs the highly disputed podcast with his friend Ryan. Uh, they had a guest on yesterday that was actually the request of the guest um, to break some interesting things down that was not – was speculated, but to hear it from somebody that knows everything – uh, was definitely a lot different. And then I've got some counterpoints to that because there are some public things uh, that are out there. Uh, but we'll break that down with him. We'll hear audio of exactly what was uh, what was heard on his podcast, and we'll promote that a little bit. But we'll jo- be joined by Dylan at around 1230. Uh, but let's first, uh, let's first recap Berkeley Post-14 Hornets baseball, sweeping that doubleheader over Potomac Valley 8-0 and Kingwood Post-56 10-0 in five innings. And the win over Post-64, eight hits for the Hornets. Jack Risenweber went three for four with four RBIs. Jackson Ruest, two for four with two RBIs. Braden Stoudemire was on the mound, pitched six scoreless innings, giving up just Three hits while striking out eight. Baden Hartman pitched the seventh, giving up one hit but striking out the side. In game two, the Hornets combined for a perfect game um, as Chase Herndon went two innings, striking out all six batters he faced. Riley Bubb went two innings as well, struck out two guys. Brad Smedek struck out the side in the fifth at the plate. Landon Sifford went three for three with three RBIs. Brad Smedek threw for three as well with two RBIs. And Jordan Camby went one for two with a two-run shot to left. Um. Now, what's their record off the top of my head? I, 17, 17 and, six. and 6. I was just about to pull up Game Changer. 17 and 6 on the season. Uh, I believe 2, 4, 6 Seven. games, six games six left. 6 games? Yes, because they'll go play. Oh, I thought you were about game to say Friday. the winning streak. No, no, Sorry, no, 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 that's no. what I was but yes, that is at that is at 6. At 6. Uh, but they'll, they'll pick up a game tomorrow with Bedford PA post 113, I believe. Yes, 113. Hurricanes. That'll be a 6 p.m. start. We'll have that for you on TV 10 and WRNR on YouTube as well as Talk Radio WRNR. Uh, and then on Wednesday, Potomac Valley, who they beat 8-0 game one yesterday, they'll come to town. 6 p.m. start as well, 540 pregame for us. Friday, they're at Kingwood 50, 56. 
uh, for that second matchup. And then on Saturday, I believe they have a little weekend mixer. Uh, there's only two games on Game Changer, uh, but the original showed that there's like a – you see who makes it to the final game on Sunday. Not sure if that is still correct, uh, but we'll break all that down with Trip in a few minutes. Uh, we got a, we got a Martinsburg Blue Sox update. Unfortunately, they lost both games on the doubleheader, 6 nothing and 10-7 to yesterday to the Cumberland Orioles. Uh, 6 nothing game. They could only muster up three hits, one by Jake Zittle, one by Brandon Mullins, and a double by Micah Sloan. Uh, defensively, uh, Sox pitchers gave up a combined nine walks and eight hits. Uh, the second game, the offense, though, showed some spots there. Zeke Gressinger had three hits, Alex Jenkins two hits. They stranded eight, though. They lost, again, 10-7. to seven. Uh, They are uh, back in action on sa- Sunday at Potomac Valley Legion post-64, uh, but I believe right now sitting at five and six on the season. Uh, but we'll get your quick take here. You guys called the game yesterday for the Berkeley Post 14 Hornets. Quick take of how great their performance was yesterday, and they had what 15, I think, trip guys. Trip said, and to uh, have almost completely different lineups and dominate in both games is very, very good, and shows the depth of this team. Yeah, that's what I was going to get into was the uh, depth. It's 18 guys that they could uh, basically split 9-9 nine and nine into that uh, double header that they combined uh, beat Potomac Valley and uh, Kingwood by a score of 18 to nothing, getting that 8 nothing win in Game 1, and then the 10 nothing Mercy Rule win in the game that we had. It was just all around uh, very sound baseball. The combined uh, perfect game pitching-wise, some great defensive plays by uh, Ruest and Camby as well during the game, and then offensively, Sifford and uh, Camby and Bohr, a whole bunch of guys just really contributing at the uh, right times. Yeah, the pitching was just dominant from start to finish. Um, you know, that that's kind of been the story most of the season, I think, for the Hornets, but especially against this Kingwood team. They just could not, uh, post-56, just could not get anything going against the Hornets pitchers. Um, I mean, everybody looked great. Chase Herndon struck out six batters. No one could really figure out his fastball at all. And then and Riley Bubb came in. We'll talk with Tripp, but I believe that was the plan yesterday. Even though he went, he you know struck out everybody through the first two innings, in your head you kind of want to go, oh, I'm going to keep him out there. But obviously you've got a bunch of players to get in. It was the plan. Uh, right, but. yeah. And you've got more games, too, for the rest of this regular season. So you want to try and, and manage your arms. So I think that's probably what Tripp was, was thinking with that decision. Yes, and uh, we'll hear from him after this two-minute break. Segment sponsored in part by Parson, or excuse me, Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. On the other side of this break, Trip Tobin, manager of the Berkeley Post 14 Hornets, will join us. This is Eric at Hagerstown Ford. Over the last decade, the way we buy things have evolved. Now, you get on your phone, click Want It, and it shows up at your front door. At Hagerstown Ford, it is that convenient. We've changed the car buying experience on the I-81 corridor forever. And with a return policy better than Walmart, there's absolutely no reason to buy a new or used car, truck, or SUV anywhere else. Just like Amazon, Hagerstown Ford will deliver the vehicle to you, where you are, and on your time. And if you don't want it, return it, no questions asked. Why waste your time at a car dealership playing the dumb back-and-forth games? Besides, we hate it more than you do. I assure you, 
No dealership from Winchester, Virginia to Washington, D.C. will beat our price. No dealership from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania to Baltimore, Maryland will beat our price. And no other dealership will allow you to return it if you don't want it. Hagerstown Ford absolutely provides the best experience at the best price. Visit HagerstownFord.com to schedule your VIP experience. Click on the vehicle you want and get your new ride delivered to you at no risk. See dealer for details. Do you need a place to go for a quick tobacco, soda, snacks, cigarettes, or beer run? Well, then you're in luck, because Enter and Exit has convenience without the cost. Enter and Exit, right off Route 11, is located at 31 Meadow Lane in Martinsburg and soon to be opening in Chambersburg, PA. Enter and Exit is open Monday through Saturday from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. and Sundays from 9.30 a.m. to 8 p.m. For great convenience without the cost, stop on into Enter and Exit today. Are you at risk for a heart attack or stroke? WV Medicine would like to remind you it's important to recognize the signs and symptoms so you can seek medical attention FAST. The acronym FAST stands for F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, and T, time to call 911. If you are having a stroke, get medical attention right away. Immediate treatment may decrease the risk of disability and prevent death. This important message is brought to you by WVU Medicine. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Uniform as can be. First pitch swinging hits this one high and deep into left field, and that one's gone. A home run for Jordan Camby. In the fourth inning, the score is now Berkeley post 14 6. Kingwood post 56 0. Summertime is finally Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Heard Jordan Camby's home run there yesterday as part of a 10-0 run rule victory over Kingwood Post 56 for the Berkeley Post 14 Hornets. Berkeley Post 14 manager Trip Tobin on the line. How are you doing today, Coach Tobin? Doing good. You guys get a sweep in that twin bill yesterday, and it just seemed like everything was working for you guys uh, between defensive uh, the defense, the hitting, and the pitching. Yeah, yesterday certainly uh, hitting on all cylinders there. Felt like at times we made a couple of small mistakes, but you know we are certainly working on the finer details of the game, uh, focusing on throwing strikes and not trying to get too fancy and strike everyone out, throw more to contact, and um, you know just have a have a better approach at the plate when we have uh, opportunities to move runners, situational hitting, and uh, of course when we get into you know, hitting counts like, you know, your two O's and your three one counts where we can set on some fastballs. So, yeah, the guys really are starting to, hopefully they're starting to peak here and, and buy in, and, and I think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, we only got to see the uh, second game broadcast-wise, and it was some great pitching there as well. But you even mentioned uh, during the pregame interview that game wanted some great pitching from uh, Dylan Stevens as well. How has that just really molded the team together to really rely on the uh, pitching and obviously having great hitting as well comes with it? Uh, Braden Stoudemire pitched that game. Just to correct you there, it wasn't Dylan, but Braden pitched that game. He had, um, you know, he, he had, you know, he'll tell you he, he was struggling with some uh, walks, hit a batter here and there. And, uh, of course, in summer he was working on some of his pitches and giving him some space there to do that. But uh, Sam worked with him, you know, worked with his, uh, you know, control there a little bit. And 
and we just told him yesterday, hey, we want you to throw the contact. Um, you know, kind of had him on a, a, a walk limit there, and he um, and he kept it under control. When he got behind him, counts, he just went ahead and fed him a fastball and see how far they could hit it, let his defense uh, do the working. So he struck out eight, only walked two, and so he cleaned that up. So coming in, certainly could have been easily the ace of the staff and uh, was still challenged a little bit with, with Boer and Stevens and Edwards coming in, doing their thing, and Herndon's been lights out. So, you know, um, just taking a page out of each of those guys' books and, and, and Sam's just constantly preaching that we need, you know, to throw strikes, get on top, and not uh, and limit the free bases. And that's what we did yesterday as far as our pitching staff was uh, concerned. Yeah, I mean, Tripp, you mentioned too that uh, you didn't. You said that uh, you wanted to limit how many times they got on base. Well, they didn't get on base at all yesterday. Perfect game. We uh, we failed to mention that during the broadcast, but no base runners allowed at any point. Um, like, I just want to know: was it something about this Kingwood lineup that you felt your pitchers just had a really good feel on, or do you think they've just been on a groove in general? Like. How do you explain throwing a perfect game between three pitchers? Uh, well, Kingwood certainly shorthanded a little bit yesterday. Textamine had a couple guys. You know, Sunday games are sometimes a little tough, especially early. So we knew they were a little shorthanded. We had some guys that needed to get some work. So, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, when you don't have to dance around the strike zone or you're not dealing with a, a lineup say, as, uh, like Vienna and, and some of those teams bring to the table in Potomac uh, Valley, then you can – just kind of throw the ball down the middle of the plate and uh, see if they can catch up to it. And King just couldn't quite catch up at times. But um, great play by uh, Ruest over there at first. Um, you know, I'd say he's filling in for Colin Reed, but, you know, he, he came in and showed you what he can do. Also, you know, hit the baseball. We know he can pitch. But, um, you know, back to the pitching, it's just they, they just challenge those hitters. We give them a lead, can be hit a home run. And it's nice to be able to go out there and pitch with confidence and uh, without any adversity, without any uh, when you're not uh, you're challenged a lot. You can you're a lot calmer on the mound, which allows you to to uh, throw that way. So it was a combination of the guys, you know, bullpenning, working on their uh, craft, and then uh, just overmatching Kingwood and, and getting that lead and just feeling really comfortable in the mound. How hard is it as a manager knowing you have all these great players on your team, you know, basically an EPAC all-star team, and that you, you have to, you know, you have to give them their opportunities and you come in with a plan, but you see Chase Herndon go out there and strike out every guy he faced in two innings, and you knew you had a plan already to, you know, pitch Riley Bubb and Brad Smedic. Did you even for a second think about keeping him in just because he, he faced six guys and had six strikeouts? No, I mean we had, we had a plan. We wanted to get Raleigh up on the mound. He hasn't been up there in a while. He you know, he threw a great game, you know, even when even though his ankle wasn't a hundred percent against Jefferson, so we know that he can uh we know that he, he can throw. Um we've seen what Chase can do and Chase is just getting better and better by the week. So we wanted to keep him fresh so he kinda got a, a start there to get thirty or forty pitches in. He I think he did it in less than thirty. And then I uh, wanted to get Raleigh out there and, and just make sure we had his arm coming into the tournaments, just another arm in case we would need it to burn some innings. And, um, and of course, Smedic has been coming along and coming along. So, yeah, we had a plan uh, coming into the day that we were going to kind of stick with. Um, they, they were 
games that had meaning as far as seedings go. So, you know, we wanted to win those games. But it's like I said in the beginning, and, and I've said it over and over, it's such a team full of, you know, interchangeable parts. Reed was on vacation. Ruess stepped in. You know, Cam Moore was away last week, and you've seen Connor Bailey step in. And, and uh, you know, Camby stepped into the leadoff role and did a great I mean, it's just uh, it's just a phenomenal team, and um, just like you said, it's really tough making that lineup. And Andrew and Sam told me when I was away, said, uh, you know, the heck with this making this lineup. It, it's just too hard. And I, I texted him back. I said, there's no wrong answers. You know, you've got a you've got a deck. You got a you got a, a deck full of uh, you know great players to pick from. So. But I think they did a great job while I was away, and I think Camby and those guys stepped in when some of the other guys were um, out. And so I just believe that if someone has a bad day, if we were to unfortunately, you know, God forbid, have some type of injury, that it won't it won't be the end of our season. You know, we're not we're not a one trick pony this year by any means. Follow up to that question, talking about Chase Herndon. Uh, you know, this year he was named Co-EPAC Player of the Year, just completely dominated there for that Spring Mills team uh, that wasn't necessarily uh, ready to necessarily compete at the level that uh, they want to compete at yet as they're building, continuing to build up that program. Has has this summer ball maybe potentially opened up any options for him going into college to play ball? Oh, yeah, he's already committed. Uh, he's already going to Western New Tech. Uh, down there with Coach Nesselrod, <clears throat> so he, he's committed. Um, so he, he's headed off to the NAIA, and um, he's going to, you know, further his career down there. So um, I'm sorry you guys didn't know that, but yeah, he committed there before the end of the season, and um, <clears throat> wouldn't have much to do about it, I guess. But I look forward to seeing him at the next level and competing at that level. Trip, I want to build off of uh, the first question that Spencer just asked you there. Um, you mentioned it briefly in our post-game show yesterday, talking about uh, Jordan Camby, how he only got to play in the second game, and he comes out, hits a home run, and it's tough to really communicate to your players for how much depth you have on why they're on the bench or why this guy's out there and not them. How hard is it to set a lineup day in, day out with how much talent you have throughout the entire roster? Well, communication is the key at any time. I mean, if a young man is not on the field, you know, you have to you know, give him some answers. Um, you don't want him just sitting there thinking that, hey, I'm not good enough. Or hey, coach, like thinks this guy's better than me, or that one's better than me. It's not necessarily um, the deal. I thought that um, you know that that we want Chase was going to pitch the second game some, so we were going to play him. Um, you know, we were going to play him in center field the whole first game. Told Camby, hey, Chase is going to pitch the second game. You're going to play center field the next game. You're going to run this game. You're going to participate. You know, you're not going to ride up here. You're certainly a big part of this team. And I think that's key is to, when you have a plan. You know, don't always go to plan, and 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 the kids understand that too. But we have a plan, and they understand they're part of that plan, uh, one through eighteen. Then you know that it works out. But when they are, you know, just just totally dumbfounded as to what the coach is doing or what we're trying to do on any given day, then I, I think that's when they start to second guess whether or not. You know, they belong on this team or they're good enough to be on this team or the coach is just an idiot. You know, a lot of things go through their mind at that point. Um, but communication is huge. And, uh, you know, Dylan Stevens didn't play in the first game. He had uh, 
he had a, a, a visit with Frederick and Shepard the day before and threw some pitches. So, you know, he was kind of healing up, and we didn't want him um, out there as much. And and so there's a lot of things that go into it inside the dugout that people don't understand. But, um, you know, each day, talk to each player, check on their health for one, check on their arms, how they're feeling. Baden Hartman does double duty. We're always checking on him. You know, his legs are jello some days from football, his arm from throwing. So, you know, these other guys. Tomorrow you're going to see uh, possibly Colin Reed and and Cam Moore both going to Salem tomorrow for a visit in the morning. So they may or may not be back by game time, and they may or may not be, you know, capable of, um, you know, playing 100% if they've been worked out pretty well. So it's just all about communication, uh, team chat, talking to each other, understanding who's going to be there, who's not going to be there, and what your role is going to be for that day. Trip, last question here real quick. Uh, upcoming this week, you're going to play Bedford post-113 tomorrow night at uh, 6 p.m., and they're a really good team. They're an 18-4 and four team, so they'll give you some pretty good competition there. Uh, what are you looking forward to seeing from this Bedford team tomorrow night? Well, Bedford, you know, we called them earlier in the year to, try to, to try to get a game with them. It didn't work out, and they had a cancellation. He called and said, hey, you want to play that game? And, of course, the kids had a choice of uh, practicing on Tuesday and listening to me complain and, and holler at all the little small details we messed up on or play Bedford. And, of course, 18 out of 18 chose to play Bedford. Um, but I'm, I'm glad they're coming to town and give us some more live reps. That's what the summer's about. You know, if things work out, we're going to play basically. You know, after we get done our area tournament, we're going to be 30 games in 42 days. That's 30 games in six weeks. I think that post-14 organization and scheduling and, you know, has done a great job of putting together a great schedule for these young men at an affordable price. And, um, you know, Bedford, certainly uh, we want to play credible you know, good, good, um, good programs, and they're up there. They're beating up on Somerset and Cambridge, and they're an hour and a half away. And we're going to see how we fare with a, you know, the northern PA area there, and they're 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 ready to come down and play us. So they've seen our records. You know, they they've heard about us, and you know, through Norchester and a couple of other Waynesboro. So for them to want to come down and play us tells me they've got something. You know, that they, they've got something to offer because you just don't go somewhere and where you know you're going to get your butt handed to you. So I'm happy they're coming down. I'm happy we're not sitting out there beating the ball around um, Tuesday. Certainly we'd like to work on some details and bunting, and, and I never think you know, we're good enough, but uh, we're going to get out there and get after it Tuesday and Wednesday. Hope you guys are going to be there. And we will be there tomorrow and Wednesday, and then uh, we'll see where things go next week with the uh, area tournament. But Trip Tobin, our guest, manager of the Berkeley Post-14 Hornets, and we'll see you tomorrow. Trip. All right, thank you. Thank you, guys. Trip Tobin, manager of the Berkeley Post-14 Hornets, and has managed them this season to a 17-6 and record so far. As uh, as he said, he really wanted, as he said in the past, he's really wanted everything to uh, hit all, on all cylinders in July, and it seems like their team is really doing that right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, two back-to-back shutout wins on, on one day, that's a pretty good way to uh, to get going in July, but they've got tough competition against this Bedford team. They do, and that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store any longer. Cabinets and designer bedding, outdoor living. It is family and unoperated right here in Martinsburg at 360 Hack Wilson Way. Go to Orsini's.com for more on their side of this break. Uh, some interesting news coming out last night. It was speculated, but now we've heard from a top source that spoke on it, on uh, our buddy Dylan. 
He's got a podcast with his buddy Ryan, Undisputed, Highly what is it? Highly, Highly disputed. disputed. It's a Shepherd kind of style podcast. We'll get his take on what happened yesterday with his interview with a former player that's now coaching with the former coach. After this two minute break, you're tuning in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. I'm Annette McDonald, and I am the designer at Orsini's in Martinsburg, West Virginia. We welcome you into our store to show you a complete line of what we do here. We design your cabinetry, quartz countertops, granite countertops, hardware, anything for the full remodel of your kitchen and your home needs. We also do bathrooms, and we have flooring available, too. We make sure that your project with Orsini's is the best in the market. Welcome to Orsini's. Orsini's.com. WVU Heart and Vascular Institute offers world-class heart care close to home. Our board-certified physicians are performing groundbreaking procedures using cutting-edge techniques, and that's why we're expanding our services to every corner of our region so you don't have to travel far to receive the great specialty care you deserve close to home. We're now accepting new patients at all four convenient locations in Martinsburg, Hagerstown, Shepherdstown, and Winchester. WVU Heart and Vascular Institute, world-class heart care close to home. Ever try to collect on an insurance claim? Perhaps a homeowner's claim, auto accident, or fire? Insurance companies collect money from you for protection should something bad happen. And when it does, they don't want to pay or they offer too little. At Mansion Ferretti, we have an attorney who worked defending insurance companies and knows all the dirty tricks they play to deny or lowball your claim. Call us today for help in getting what you really deserve. Mansion Ferretti, when you need justice. For the first time ever on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10, we'll have the thrilling action of the Little League Baseball State Tournament. Makes the catch above his head for the out. Martinsburg is headed to the State Tournament of final score 4-3. to three. Join us July 15th through the 20th for our coverage of the area teams live from Oatsdale Park, right here on your Eastern Panhandle Sports Leader, 106.5 FM, AM 740, and Comcast Channel 10. Now, back to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to this Monday, July 11th edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer Dupuy, Colin McLaughlin, Avery Newport, happy to have you with us. We're also joined on the phone by our co-worker, Runs Cameron, and he'll get some interesting bigger duties here in the fall, which we'll announce in the next few weeks. Uh, but he also has a podcast slash radio show, well, radio show that's now kind of only a podcast that he did in his Shepherd days, highly disputed. You can find that wherever you get your podcast with his buddy, Ryan Stickle. But now we're joined by Dylan Bishop. And uh, Dylan, everything was smooth sailing yesterday. And then you send us a text like some something's you got something brewing. And then I thought like you were posting it later in the week. I didn't realize that you had posted it. I thought you were going to tease it to tease to listen to the whole thing and then all of a sudden it all went like it was all live last night but uh you caught up with a former shepherd women's hoops player who is now joined sh- former head coach jenna eckleberry at frostburg state and marley mclaughlin and you learned a lot you got a lot yeah, confirmed really i guess i should say 
Yeah, we got a lot confirmed. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, it's kind of interesting to be on the show, but not in the studio. But, you know, it's a uh, different circumstances than usual. It was a last-minute right. thing that I was just like, let's do this. And then I didn't want to make you drive an hour to get on. Right, yeah. So, yeah, as soon as we uh, recorded it, it felt like there was no no need to uh, no need to wait. Just uh, upload that information. And, uh, yeah, it was a very, very enlightening conversation with Marley McLaughlin, for sure. We are going to play that soundbite that you posted on your Twitter here. It's about two minutes and 18 seconds, but we're going to play it. So uh, I guess you'll just listen to it back, even though you've heard it a thousand times, and then we'll discuss it. She never received a raise within the eight years that she was there. Wow. Yes. And she was making $48,000. And Oh. Yes, so she went in to ask for a raise, and she was told that she had to go get an offer from another school. So she basically was told to go find out how much she was worth and come back and bring it to the athletic director and basically for him to counter and and come back. Um, But that was the biggest mistake that anybody could have made because she liked what she saw. Um, and she, so she went out and she was looking at two other schools. Um, and she came back with what they offered her and they, Shepard tried to come back with, uh, a competing offer, but I mean, it wasn't even close. And she understood that Shepard couldn't compete money wise with like salaries and stuff like that. But she just wanted, she wanted a little bit more. Um, she wanted a more respectful counter than what she was given and she just honestly she really felt disrespected um and taken advantage of and she wanted to go somewhere where she felt wanted and appreciated so after i mean coming back with this offer from this other school and liking that and then how much they just really wanted her and they were all over her and so adamant about getting her to their school uh, it wasn't really that difficult of a decision after finding out like just like the salary base. I mean, that was a huge thing for her, but she really wanted to stay at Shepherd, and she thought that her whole career was going to be at Shepherd. Um, and wow. she, she was really upset uh, for the longest time. And I mean, she still is upset because Shepherd Shepherd was like home. There was, it was a huge community base. She loved the community. They supported us so much. Um, and it was extremely hard on her personally um but in the end i mean she was the lowest paid psac coach the average assistant made more than her that again marley mclaughlin former shepherd women's basketball star now frostburg state assistant coach under jenna eckleberry on coach jenna eckleberry leaving shepherd for frostburg state a lot to break down there dylan a lot to break down yeah it was to me it wasn't surprising at all to hear that it was an issue of pay which I think that was pretty much everyone's we first assumption. We had that. heard that speculated, but you know you hear a lot of things speculated and you never really know, and it seems like that we now know for almost certain. But I do have to say, um, you know, you can publicly – there's public records for state employees in states about how much they make, and Shepard is a state-funded university, so therefore her salary was public. And she did get a raise over those four years, and it was a little more than expected, but that's 
obviously couldn't compete with the number that when you go look at the Maryland State employees and look at the former head coach at Frostburg, what she was paid, there's a 14-ish thousand dollar difference there of the difference there for the 2021 season. So obviously it was going to be hard for Shepard to match any offer because as we know, Shepard just is a division two school doesn't get a lot of funding. They're cutting funding for state schools across the entire state, even the division one schools. And it kind of just, as you was alluded to in your interview, it all came down to the money. And, you know, I've even gone back through and it, it looks like even, other coaches with higher statures have taken pay cuts in order to get assistant coaches on their raw on their on their teams over the last few seasons just from what you kind of look at but in this specific situation it obviously came down to money yeah obviously it was a situation where she but as marley alluded to uh she said that coach Eck essentially wanted to feel like she was respected enough and felt like the the athletic department appreciated her enough to give her a raise based on merit, just to say that you've been doing a very good job of coaching. You deserve a little bit of more money for it. And when she went and uh, asked for that uh, this off season, she was just essentially told, uh, "So we, you should let another school or other schools set the market for us, and then we'll see how much of a raise to give you." And then she obviously. Didn't appreciate that. Marley did say that she, you know, Shepard offered a bit of a raise, but it wasn't anything close to what the other schools like Frostburg were offering. So she didn't feel like that was enough for her. And she felt like it was, she wasn't appreciated enough. Yeah, Dylan, this is uh, obviously this is pretty big news. And it's nice that Marley was able to confirm that um, news for us. I, just based on my own Shepherd sources, I kind of knew uh, along those lines what the story was while it was happening, but it wasn't officially confirmed, of course, until Marley said it. But how, in your opinion, you know, having your podcast with Ryan for a while now, how do you think this kind of changes the dynamic of the women's basketball program? If it changes it at all, do you think things will just kind of move on as normal or you know is there kind of something else bigger that we we might not know about here uh, i'm not sure if it changes too much but there is the possibility that this sort of thing being made publicly known could add a little bit of pressure to the athletic department at shepherd to be more mindful of uh their coaching uh what how they treat coaches in the in the future because you have a coach like Eckleberry who spent eight years here and really developed the women's basketball program into a, a really fun product to watch. You know, maybe it wasn't the most uh, revenue coming into the athletic department uh, from the women's basketball team. But that being said, uh, it could be, it could make those in the athletic department mindful to say, well, you know, now, now there's a little bit of a magnifying glass on us. So it could play into future decisions. But I think as far as the women's basketball program goes moving forward, I think they're probably more uh, in line to follow the budget more so than public perception. And I think that's the reason that this happened in the first place, was that the budget for the, the women's basketball program wasn't, probably wasn't enough to give Coach Eckleberry the raise that she felt that she deserved to be able to feel appreciated by 
the school and the athletic department. Well, and, and the problem here is just it all comes down to the funding. That's that's the whole issue. Is she was already the lowest paid PSAC coach, but there's just not a lot you can do with funding because um, I know when I was at Marshall and you know knew some things about the athletic department that it this the state funding for colleges in the state of West Virginia has been cut and continually cut over the last few years. So when it comes down to money, there's just obviously not a lot to go around and you're you try to do the best you can with the money you can and it just sometimes that's that is the nature of division two college athletics it can be yeah i mean it's a two-sided street uh i can't blame coach Eck for a feeling that she i can't either yeah that feeling that she deserved like she needed more money but if the athletic department couldn't give her what she thought she was worth then it was it was time to move on and that sometimes just happens. It's business is business. I want to get into uh, later on in your talk with uh, Marley McLaughlin there. I don't think we have the uh, soundbite, but it was about a possible rebuild with the team this coming year, even if Eckleberry and Beeman and those others that have uh, transferred possibly stayed, whether it actually would have been a rebuild or not. And I think I'm going to stand by the comment that it probably would have been just compared to what they came off of with Sidney Clayton and Marley McLaughlin, two players that averaged, I think it was almost 35 points for the team per game. Yes, you had Beeman, who's a terrific player. You were supposed to have a great freshman or out of Virginia coming, but one person like that to try to recontribute for uh, two people is really difficult to do. And, even though there are other players that were still on the team shepherd wise that could have stepped up is it realistic to truly think they could have matched the numbers like marley and sydney i think stats back you up on that and before dylan gives his answer you have to look at the stats of this team for this year or for the the last season the 2021 to 2022 season um you have their your big three they all finished the season averaging double figures points per game above 16 every one of those three was above 16 at 16 and a half or above and then your fourth fifth and sixth players who all presuming would return if everything stayed averaged between 3.2 and 3.9 points per game so i think colin's argument and that's a big argument it is a valid one you can't just go from 3.9 to 15 16 points per game like that it just doesn't seem real i think it would have been unreasonable to expect the the team to uh do something like make a run in the ncaa tournament like they did the year before but i was optimistic that i, I after looking into uh, emily weekly who was the star commit, you know, one of the leading scorers in high school basketball history in the state of Virginia. I thought that she was going to bring in a lot of what they needed to replace. She was a tall, versatile scorer, five foot eleven, who could uh, shoot, uh, drive, and could, you know, hopefully play the kind of inside spot on defense. Not to the same level as Sydney Clayton, but she could have brought, she could have filled in a lot of the gaps. Uh, I think I would have described it more if, if. She would have uh, lived up to expectations. It would have been more of a retooling than a rebuilding, I think, 
because also you would have expected Abby Beeman to take on more shots of her own. So her 16, 17 points a game, or whatever it was, 18, could have gone up to, say, 21, 22 points a game, uh, maybe a few less assists because she has she doesn't have those two great scores to pass to anymore. But I think that they could have retooled and been kind of a you know, middle-of-the-pack, above-average PSAC team in that state. But, yeah, obviously it wouldn't have been just, like, no steps missed uh, as if the big three had never gone away. Yeah, and I was thinking the same thing, too. I, th- I didn't think it was a total rebuild. I just thought there was going to be some growing pains in there, and you couldn't expect to make an NCAA tournament run next year immediately. Yeah, for sure. I think when you when you say the word rebuild, it can trigger a lot of things in people's minds of what you mean, what people mean by that. So I think when 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 I hear when you hear the term rebuild, you think of a team that doesn't win a, a lot of games at all. And I think that team that they would have had to put together with Beeman and Weekly could have won a good bit, solid bit of games. So, yeah, I understand the uh, the con- con- contention there with with the take, but it's not unreasonable. I think maybe I'm just in the only boat here, but retool and rebuild, I feel like is ultimately the same thing, just different words. Rebuild has a negative connotation. Retool tries to make it sound more optimistic to a fan base. Yeah, when I hear when I hear the word retool, I think you don't have quite as much as you had, but you still have a good bit, and you're kind of you're working around. And when I hear rebuild, it's like you tore the entire thing down, and you're building back up from scratch kind of thing. Dylan, I want to talk about Abby Beeman here for a second. Um, so there is also some discussion among us here at the station that if Coach Eckleberry were to stay at Shepard and she got a fair offer and she took it and stayed as the head coach, that Abby Beeman would have stayed with the Rams as well and would not have explored transferring. Uh, I don't want to put it, words in anybody's mouth, but I think Marley kind of alluded to that, that um, there she would not have transferred or that was not her first option, uh, whether Coach X stayed or not. And do you think that she, do you think that's true, basically? Do you think that she would have stayed if Coach X stayed? Or even if Coach X did stay, she would have explored her options in the portal and then might have come back to school? What is your kind of take on that situation? So similar to how we just had our interview with Marley, uh, about maybe a week after uh, Abby announced that she was transferring to Marshall, uh, we had Ryan and I had Abby on the, sh- the podcast, and she essentially told us that she had not considered going into the transfer portal until Coach Eck left. She had planned to spend all four years at Shepherd. She had asked, she had thought in her mind. I think she, uh, you know. In high school, before college, maybe the thought popped up every once in a while while she was at Shepard that she thought that she could play at the Division One level, but it wasn't something that she was really considering until Coach Eck left. Once Coach Eck left, all options were on the table, essentially. And we got to hit the break here, but to wrap things up, my point was maybe a Tyson-Bajant situation where you go see what there is after the very much successful season she had last year. And then the other point was you finish your four years, you still have one extra year of eligibility. We see this all across the country. People will grad transfer. So that was kind of my point is maybe not this year, but maybe 
for her gra- for that final year that she was given due to COVID, I thought maybe that could have been a possibility, um, obviously. Uh, but we have to wrap things up here on this segment, Dylan. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you, what, Wednesday? We'll see you Wednesday at the uh, Berkeley Post-14 game. Yes, you will. All right. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. Dylan Bishop, our co-worker and host, co-host of the Highly Disputed Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Had a great interview with Marley McLaughlin yesterday, and our own Avery Newport was on there as well. We're still waiting for the invite, Dylan, if you can hear us still. <laughs> but that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Parsons Ford. Kent Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll wrap things up, talk a little baseball, and more little commanders interesting news as we wrap things up after this break with four new car dealerships and four used car dealerships in three states parsons is the largest used car and fastest growing new car dealer in the tri-state area take parsons ford with huge savings on hundreds of new fords financing from zero percent parsons goal of financing for all and parsons famous above market trade-in allowances that help make parsons number one for used cars too see why so many won't buy anywhere but parsons ford in martinsburg we became number one by making you number one first parsons do you love martial arts? Are you a little more Miyagi-Do than Cobra Kai? Dragon Warrior Kung Fu offers a well-rounded program designed to promote and encourage learning and growth in a family-friendly environment. Because Kung Fu is not just flashy fighting skills, it's a lifelong journey of self-discovery. Dragon Warrior Kung Fu. Call us at 304-350-0646 and learn more today. If you love some delicious smoked barbecue but don't know where to go, then you're in luck. Smokin' Southern Barbecue has smoked ribs, chicken, pulled pork, and brisket all topped with some homemade barbecue sauce. Smokin' Southern Style Barbecue is located at 2142 Winchester Avenue in Martinsburg. They're open Tuesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call them at 304-620-7651. So stop on in to Smokin' Southern Style Barbecue in Martinsburg. The South Morgan Volunteer Fire Department Carnival is August the 30th through September the 3rd this year with free admission. Enjoy the fun of this year's carnival with an amazing selection of rides, live music from great local artists, live auctions, contests, and the usual assortment of mouth-watering delicious food. Discounted ride wristbands and ride and food voucher combos are available in advance. The carnival is located at 10166 Winchester Grade Road in beautiful Berkeley Springs. Find out more about this fun event at firemanscarnival.com. That's firemanscarnival.com. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to this final segment of the Sports Mix brought to you in part by the Marius Group and Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. You can call Ameriprise Financial Services at 304 304- Two six three four three four three, or stop by their offices at twelve seventy Winchester Avenue, right here in Martinsburg. Spencer, Colin, and Avery. Some other you guys. Caught yourself. You're about to. Some other guys are joining you here today for the final segment of this show. Uh, a few things to get into here as we wrap up the show. Uh, All star teams announced yesterday. The full all star teams announced. 
Uh, the Nationals, they're not good this year. Obviously, we know that. They just got swept by the Braves. They're off today before a, a two-game set with the Mariners, and the Braves are in town. Juan Soto selected as an all-star reserve. Uh, Welling, well-deserved all-star. He was walked 74 times, leads the majors in that, and he has a 398 on-base percentage, which is second in the National League. Uh, but Josh Bell, pretty much snubbed, which kind of makes me happy because maybe he stays on the team. No. No, there's no way. <laughs> we've, only got, we've only got like three weeks left for that or I whatever. I don't know, man. I mean, I know batting average is kind of a basic counting stat, but so does batting what, like 230 this year? That's not. 250 now. Oh, it's 250. But he's leading in walks. Oh, yeah, because he gets oh. walked all the time. Yeah, because nobody. Well, that's, that's why seventy four walks on base percentage games. Mm-hmm. But he's. I mean, not we're only a ton we're what like eighty five because he's getting in. walked because he's True. getting he's been walked in almost every game if you look at that stat all but ten games probably fair but he's he's not hitting the long ball like he used to. I don't know. I just he's, just saying. Just saying. He's got a pretty good number of long balls though this year. What's he at? Uh, I, I don't know if he's this. on his typical pace. I mean, he's he's had. Well, because he's hitting less, but this year he's had 17 home runs. At the break, 17 home runs bad. is not more than all the Orioles. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> the whole team, the Orioles. Uh, but I think Josh Bell was snubbed. <laughs> you know what I meant. Yeah. Um, would you guys agree he was snubbed? No, I don't think so. You don't not think really. Josh I mean, Bell was snubbed? I, I think generally the fans tend to vote for players on teams that are... This is not a jab. I don't mean this as like an insult to the Nats, but this is fans who vote for the All-Star game genuinely... You know, typically they vote for players that are good or in playoff position, which is not what the Nats are in right now. You know, like you see a lot of Dodgers and a lot of Braves and Mets and whatever and Padres on the National League team. And it's because most of those teams are in playoff contention right now. 316 at bats, 44 runs, 96 hits, 12 home runs, 47 RBIs with a 304 average on base of 386, OPS of 877, which are. Almost everything there is well above his career average. He yeah. averaged, His career average is 266, so he's having a great season this year. But would you would you put him in over a guy like Paul Goldschmidt or, you Which know, is, like a starter? Or, I know, mean, like, yeah, you've got a point there. Like, I, I wouldn't, like, if you can name me somebody on the roster that you would rather, you know, have Josh Bell on than him, then fine, I might be able to agree with your point but everybody who's made the team i think is a deserving selection i think he was just kind of the odd man out yeah and uh let's wrap up this nats talk got about a two minutes left in the show uh the orioles are somehow putting it together this year but only got one all-star selection jorge lopez the pitcher well, and it's your team, so I want you guys to talk about it. That's probably because voting takes place over a long period of time. You know, voting starts in May or whenever it does, or in you know in June. And at that point in time, the Orioles were not on an eight-game winning streak and were not one game under five hundred. You know, yeah. they were among the worst teams in the AL, and now they're only a few games out of a playoff spot. So that's why I think they only have one All Star because voting takes place over a long period of time. If voting only took place between the last week then they'd probably have multiple All-Stars, but that's just, you know... And the American League just has so many stars. Yeah. It's really tough to, even for a team that's not the Orioles, get a couple All-Stars in because there's all these guys, like on the Yankees, I think they have six All-Stars, and then it's always going to be Otani and Trout getting in there from the Angels, and that's basically your uh, nine there almost for starters but Orioles are good right now and hopefully that continues got the uh nice young talent on that team 
All right. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Sports Mix. Thanks to Berkeley Post 14 manager Trip Tobin for coming on. We'll have his games tomorrow night and on Wednesday, 6 p.m. starts, 540 pregames on radio, TV, and YouTube. And thanks to our own Dylan Bishop, also hosts the podcast, Highly Disputed, with his buddy Ryan Stickle for talking about Marley McLaughlin, who dropped some bombshell interesting news yesterday on the pod. But that'll do it for this edition of the Sports Mix. For Avery, Colin, I'm Spencer saying so long. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 12.08.